episode 16, featuring singer-songwriter Heatherly and a sneak peek at a song from her new album, Behind That Beautiful Guard. Hey y'all, welcome to the Nougabelle podcast, all about stories of the South, straight from the sources. I'm your host, Kate Robertson, and I'm based in the scenic city of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Join me and my guests as we talk about all things Chattanooga, life in the South, and beyond. Now pour yourself a cup of coffee or a glass of sweet tea and join us. We're so glad you're here. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Nuga Bell podcast. I'm super excited to be here with local singer-songwriter Heather Lee. Welcome oh, to the show. How's it going? Good, how are you? Good. Good. Uh, so what's your Chattanooga story? How did you end up here? Well, I followed a guy right after college. He moved up here for a job, so I followed him, and we broke up a couple months later, and I stayed because at the time I was a teacher for the county, and I had signed a contract, so I stayed for the rest of the year, and by the time the year was up, I had made new friends, and this was my home, and that was 11 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Similar story for me. Yeah. Except... The guy that I was with at the time was in Nashville and okay. just kind of worked out that I ended up here, but I got a really good job. Yeah. Um, so I stayed yeah. and I'm really glad I did. So how did you get into music? How old were you when you first started playing? Oh, I mean, I, I was one of those dorks who was like super excited about recorder and <laughs> I know my grandfather played piano all the time and was always like, Heather, come listen to this song. And he just played by ear. He didn't read music or anything. But I was just, whatever music I was exposed to, I was just all in. And so when I joined band in the fifth grade, I played flute. And then I did clarinet for a few years. And then I switched to percussion. And that's kind of what stuck. And then I did percussion all through high school, private lessons. I did independent indoor drumline. And then I... Did percussion in college at UGA and graduated with music education from UGA and so that I started teaching music funny enough when I started teaching music I kind of stopped playing music altogether because I sang all day and I did music all day so when I came home that's the last thing that I wanted to do so in a sense I still did music but it wasn't my music and so about five, three, four, five years into <laughs> teaching, I picked up guitar and started like teaching myself here and there, but not consistently. And I did the Tremont open mics, and finally, you know, after years of just playing here and there, I grew like a repertoire of songs. And then I wrote my first song, which lyrics were always there was always this wall of. I can't do that. And then I finally did it, and I was like, well, what's your excuse now? <laughs> and so then it just, you know, one thing led to another, and then when I decide to go all in, I go all in, and that's kind of what happened. That's awesome. But I've been a, mu a musician forever, it seems. Singer-songwriter, professionally, like playing gigs, only a couple of years, so. I see you've got a steel drum over here. Mm -hmm. I've never met anyone who actually plays the steel drum. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've actually um, put a couple little small groups together, and we've played um, the Stir Brunch a few times. I've seen you there. Because <laughs> I remember, like, my parents were in town one time, I guess last 
maybe back in the spring, but we went to stir for brunch, and I didn't know it was you, obviously, yeah. but my mom was like, there's a girl playing steel drum over there, and then you were playing, like, a Michael Jackson song, and I was like, why do I know this song? And my mom goes, that's Billie Jean. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, never in my life did I ever think I would hear Michael Jackson played on a steel drum. Oh, yeah, we, we played uh, Under the Sea, Michael Jackson, I mean, your typical, like, Margaritaville and all the goodies. That's so funny. <laughs> oh my gosh, I yeah. love it. Um, so you're talking about um, me playing music forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I played violin for 12 years. You played violin for 12 years? I did. That's awesome. Yeah, I loved it. Violin was my first love. So did you play um, in the school? I did. I started when I was in third grade. I lived in Pennsylvania at the time, and music, you could either do orchestra in third grade or wait until fourth grade to do band or choir, and I already knew that my family was moving at the end of the school year, and I didn't want to wait because where we were moving to, they didn't start music until sixth grade, Mm -hmm. so I had it between violin, flute, and trumpet, and I was like, you know what, I don't want to wait, so I picked the violin, and pretty much fell in love. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so glad I didn't play trumpet. So what did you do in those years that you didn't have? Uh, private lessons. Okay. I stayed in private lessons fourth grade and I think part of fifth grade and then my teacher and I just weren't seen eye to eye and I kind of tried to keep up on my own. My mom would buy me like Disney books or like the Beatles or mm-hmm. just easy stuff like that and then I got back into lessons in seventh grade. So by the time sixth grade rolled around when everyone started playing their instrument, you were, like, rocking it. Oh, I, I thought I was. I thought I was, like, the coolest 11-year-old ever. <laughs> but there were a few of us who had been playing for a couple years, and then pretty much by, like, eighth grade, like, everyone had caught up. Mm-hmm. And then I moved again after eighth grade back to Pennsylvania, and I played in my school orchestra for two years, and it was just not good. The director, conductor, whoever, was just, like, not a nice person, and uh, definitely played favorites, and the, like, rules in that school district were super weird about, like, Allstate and all that kind of stuff, and you could only try out for Allstate as a sophomore, which was dumb, and I started in private lessons again, like, as soon as I moved up there, because I knew I wanted it, and my teacher had me running, like, all sorts of crazy scales and etudes and playing, like, Bach all the time, and I remember my orchestra teacher came up to me one day in 10th grade and was like you need to start practicing your three octave scales and I was like I do practice my three octave scales and he was like well you need to get ready to audition for all state and I was just like why couldn't I do it this year and he goes oh you weren't ready and I was like how do you know I'm not ready you're not my private teacher yeah I quit that day and then I played in our like county honor symphony for three years And I tried to keep it up in college just because it had been, like, such a part of my life for so long. It was kind of like a security blanket. But I didn't study music. I knew I wasn't going to have a career in it. So it just kind of became, like, a thing on the side. And I finally got to a point where I was just burned out. Like, I remember getting an email from the symphony conductor going into, like, spring semester my sophomore year of college that was, like, here's the repertoire we're playing. And one of them was the William Tell Overture, which is, like, my most hated piece of music in the entire world I was just like nope I can't and then I didn't play for like a year and a half when I moved here I didn't have my instrument with me and then I went 
to my parents' house for Thanksgiving, and I was going through, like, a really hard time with, like, a breakup and all sorts of stuff, and I was like, I just want my violin. Like, more than anything, I just yeah. wanted my violin, and I brought it back with me, and... You play? A little bit, here and there. It's unfortunately one of those things that I go to when I'm, like, depressed or, like, sad about something. You just need some people to play with. I do. I really do. I was looking at it the other day, like, sitting in the corner of my bedroom. I was like, I really need to get you back out. (laughs) I can give you something to play with. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure you can. (laughs) Um, You let me know when you want to play with Heatherly. (laughs) uh, You need a bell ringer? No. (laughs) I did handbells in church, too. I don't think anyone needs a handbell. <laughs> That's very true, except churches. <laughs> Even then, I'm like, mm. I like them at Christmas. Yeah, they are nice at Christmas. I like them at Christmas, and then like occasionally throughout the year. They but... do. They do bring those warm fuzzies at Christmas mm-hmm. time. Ultra nerd moment. I went to a handbell festival in high school. Wow, I didn't yeah. know they had those. I didn't either. It was at Penn State, because the lady who ran the bell choir at my church was a Penn State alum and was, like, obsessed with everything Penn State. Wow. So she found this, like, master class convention thing and was like, guys, we're going to Penn State for a handbell comp- or convention or whatever, and we were just like, okay, Sue. <laughs> <laughs> and it actually ended up being really fun. Uh, so you are working on a new album, or you, it's about to come out. Yeah, it's done, and... It got done in mid-July, and then I had to send it off to printing, of course, and I have it, and I can't wait to Is, release it. I mean, so many people have heard it because I'm just like, you have to listen. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I'm so excited. Oh. Is it one of those feelings where, like, you get the box and you're holding it, it's just kind of like an out-of-body surreal thing? It was more like when I got the, not when I got the actual CD, but when I got the final mastered versions, I definitely cried that night. <laughs> it was when I was on tour, and I don't know, it was just so much work, like so much buildup, like leading up to that, and then it's like, oh my gosh, it's... It's here. Yes, and fast. I mean, we started at the beginning of March, and we're done mid-July, which is... wow crazy yes crazy fast for an 11 song Mm -hmm. fully produced album yeah so did you write songs specifically for this album or did you have some already written and then kind of fill in the pieces yeah there are three from my ep from 2016 just redone and then i would say that i have the songs and then um when i so ivan garcia co-produced with me okay so we went through all of the songs together and as we were working through them and making decisions on, because, you know, usually it was just me and my guitar, but here we're adding everything. And so we would make decisions about, you know, chord structures that need to be changed, and I would, you know, add stuff here and there based on... So the title is Behind That Beautiful Guard, Mm -hmm. which can have a few meanings depending on how you look at it. So I don't want to, like, I don't know. What does it mean to you? Stunt someone's idea. Well, it means a few different things. And (laughs) the line comes up in a few different songs in the album, and they all come up with a different kind of context. Mm. Oh, I see what you did there. mm -hmm. Very nice. I can't wait to hear it then. So my album cover is a bird, and he's got a flag, and he's kind of like a guard, you know, and he's (laughs) holding out the heart. Still open. I don't know. It's, It's exciting. What's official release date? 
um, my birthday, which is August 26th. Oh, that's right. I did yes. see that. And then um, the party is at Southside Social from 5 to 9. There's going to be a bunch of music played. I'm going to play for like an hour so I can enjoy yeah. everybody and everything and take it all in, you know, not have to play at my whole release, which is <laughs> kind of funny. But Is this your first full-length album? Yes. <gasps> that's even more exciting. Mm-hmm. So I have an EP from 2016, and, you know, it's... The next I wanted to do, I wanted it to be done right, mm-hmm. and a lot of time and money went into it, but now that it's come to a close, it's like, it feels so good, and I know that it's going to be, it's going to pay off tenfold. Maybe not in the terms of, like, money, but in the terms of, like, what it's going to do for, like, me and my music. For you sure. Know? Like, touring and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. You just did a tour, too. I did. I was gone for like three weeks this summer. (laughs) And so we finished recording for the album the first week of June. And then I wasn't going to start planning for the album or for the tour until all that was done because I didn't want anything to come in the way of that. So I started planning super late because I went on tour at the beginning of July. Most people book out 90 days in advance. So it was kind of, I don't know what this is going to (laughs) be when I started planning. And then it worked out really great, and I had a ton of shows, and the tour almost paid for itself, and I had a lot of support and help along the way, staying with friends and friends helping me get shows and um, just making connections with people, and it was it was amazing, and I got such a good response. It's so funny, like, in your own city, people kind of, like, stop listening to you a little because they think they've already heard you and so they stop noticing you get better and so then going and playing in different cities and seeing people's face kind of like light up when you start singing and seeing people like just drawn in it's kind of like gives you chills and you're like how did you pick which cities you went to I picked cities based on who I knew okay so the only city I didn't know anyone was Omaha, and that's because I had to get from North Dakota to Austin. Might as well stop in the middle, right? Yes. <laughs> and uh, Omaha is such a good music city. So much of the music I love has come from Omaha. So I've always wanted to go, and it was great. Omaha was awesome. It was a lot better than I thought it would be. So yeah. that's the only place I stayed in a hotel. The rest I stayed at people's houses, and they were so nice and generous, <laughs> and it was great. It was, I mean, it's a long time to be gone, but it was such a cool experience, and I can't wait to plan more. Yeah, for sure. Now that I have the album, it's going to be even more of a push to, you know, ask for better pay or get better shows or, you know. So did you play in a lot of, like, bars and coffee shops, or were there, like, other music festivals or other events? Yeah, it was basically all bars, coffee shops, breweries, Stuff like that. A lot of breweries. Mm-hmm. I think I played in one venue, but the rest were. And I did a lot of open mics. So okay. any off days that I had, I would just do like open mic tours. So in Grand Rapids, Sunday night, I went to one open mic. Monday night, I went to two different open mics. <laughs> and Tuesday night, I played a gig and then went to two open mics. So, so you were literally singing and playing like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was insane. When I, the last show in Omaha, I had to get in my car after playing and drive like five hours. I slept for two. Then I kept driving. 
got to Austin, got out of my car, and started setting up for the gig. Oh my gosh. So that was probably the craziest. And then I went from that gig, which was a happy hour gig, to another gig and played for three <laughs> hours. That was like the craziest little stretch of what did I do to myself? How do you keep your energy up with stuff like that? I drink a lot of coffee and alternate between monsters. And, you know, once I get there, it's like the adrenaline of... There was a lot of listening to um, revisions of the songs, too, which is kind of convenient because <laughs> it was like I was killing two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'd get in the car and have a six-hour drive, and then I'd get to the end and be like, dang it, I got to listen to these three songs. <laughs> There'd be more to listen to, yeah. you know? So um, I, just adrenaline from that, too, just the excitement of, like, everything that was happening. I believe it. Yeah, it's crazy. Because it, it happened so fast, you know? I just, I didn't even know I was going to have the summer off until March. My oh, job wow. kind of shifted, and I started teaching again and all I could think about was I want to go on tour I haven't had time to do this and now I have the time I'm doing it yeah take it where you can get it right yeah yeah all right let's play with my jar here for a little bit if you've been listening to the podcast you know what the jar is but for new listeners it is my beautiful little mason jar filled with colorful pieces of paper with questions and we'll each draw a couple and talk about them so I'll go first First thing I buy at farmer's market is always fresh produce. Whatever's in season, I just get, like, all of it. Yeah. Produce is amazing. I don't go to the farmer's market very often, but I did play there at the Buskers Festival a couple weeks ago. Oh, cool. And the only thing I bought were three little succulent plants. Because oh, they yeah. were adorable, mm-hmm. and I had to have them. But... That's Why not? What I bought. <laughs> Fresh flowers are always nice. Flowers, yeah. plants. And the flowers when I was gone, the flowers in my room when I was gone died, so Aww. I had to replace them. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, an excuse to buy more flowers. Yeah. You want me to pick one? Yeah, go for it. Okay, pick pink. My ultimate summertime jam is this summer. My like go-to has been New Light. Okay. And, yeah, that's a good song. It's grooving. Puts yeah. you in a good mood. Yeah. Need happy songs. Yeah. My usual is anything by Yellow Card. I love them dearly. Forever will. Um, but recently, I have been on a Jimmy Eat World kick. Okay. Which isn't, like, super summery, but, like, yeah. big Jimmy Eat World kick lately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why not? I wish I could go to their show that they're playing in a couple weeks but it's the weekend that i'm moving and i'm just like not convinced that i'll have the energy for a concert after where are I they move. playing the signal oh okay i saw their show when they were here last spring at track 29 and they were fantastic what is chattanooga missing let's see i could say one of like four different things here um i would love to have like botanical gardens because mm-hmm. i love flowers and I don't really want to drive all the way to Atlanta or Nashville to go to a botanical garden. I would also love a Trader Joe's and a wine bar. Hmm. Those are all great things. Man, that's hard. What is Chattanooga missing? I'm drawing a blank. 
I don't know. Let's see. We've got soccer. We've got baseball. Not, I don't not, watch a lot of sports. We're not big enough for a pro football team. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any like cuisine we don't have that I think would be fun to have. Yeah, I think more like Vietnamese restaurants would be good. We're we're lacking sort of like the cultural restaurants. I feel like I feel like we have a lot of bars and breweries. Yeah, and a lot of American food. Yeah, a lot of that like super rustic southern farm to table and yeah i think it would be cool if we had some kind of middle of the road yeah not like i feel like we have a lot of hole in the wall vietnamese Mm -hmm. but we don't have like any middle of the road vietnamese yeah you know i feel like it's either like an all-you-can-eat asian buffet or like two ten jack yeah yeah (laughs) i mean there's rice box but that's almost what i you know rice box is great but you know what I mean. Yeah. More I, of those. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, one more for you. Okay. A true mark of Southern hospitality is... Um... <laughs> giving good hugs? Yes. Always. Mm-hmm. Being welcoming. Yeah. I say for me, bringing your new neighbors a plate of cookies to welcome them to the neighborhood or taking someone a casserole when someone died. Mm -hmm. Because that's just what, like, my family did all the time was when we moved somewhere new, like, everyone always brought us cookies Mm -hmm. or when we got new neighbors, we always took them. And then anytime someone died, just, like, immediate, okay, so-and-so died, time to go make a casserole to take to Mm -hmm. them. So that's just what I think of, like, from growing up is just always... The gift of food. I know. I kind of think our generation is, like, and I mean mine and yours because we're probably, like, almost the same, but, you know, that big gap of, like, 20 to 30s. Yeah. I think it's, like, missing the whole, like, neighborhood vibe Mm -hmm. a little. I do miss living in a neighborhood. I mean, even me on my streets, you know, no one really knows each other that much. And social media. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between, like, living on a street and then living in, like, a neighborhood. With a neighborhood association and, like, parties and stuff like that. You're right. Yeah. I grew up in metro Atlanta, and we lived in, like, a big neighborhood. I'm from Atlanta, too. Oh, where at? What part? Alpharetta. I went to high school. But my dad's side of the family lives in, like, Noonan. Okay. Yeah. I lived in Woodstock in the 90s, and then when we moved there the second time, we were in Kennesaw. Okay. Yeah. My my twin went to Kennesaw, so. Oh, cool. Awesome. Which is not very far far from Alpharetta, actually. No! uh, We were in the part of Kennesaw where, like, if you drove a mile in one direction, you were in, like, Old Town Kennesaw. A mile in the other direction, you were in Powder Springs. Mm -hmm. A mile in the other direction, you were in... um, Close to Roswell, kind of? Kind of, sort of, yeah. That way. Yeah. Going towards it. Yeah. I... There are times when I miss Atlanta, and I think that, like, maybe I can move back there, and then I go visit, and I get stuck in traffic, and I'm just like, nope, nope, don't need it. Don't need this in my life anymore. Mm-mm. Chattanooga, like, 20-minute rush hour has me spoiled. I know. So easily. It's so funny when people complain about traffic here. I know. Like, traffic. like, have you lived in Atlanta? Like, even Nashville's getting Anywhere with traffic. Yeah. Oh, this my gosh. <laughs> no. It always makes me laugh. Uh, anyway, so you also host a podcast. I do. Uh, it's called Open Mic Spotlight, and I interview a different musical guest 
every episode, and then they perform five or six songs, a mix of covers and originals, and it's just like this, and it's just talking and very, like, relaxed and, you know, just getting to know the artist on a personal level Mm -hmm. and living room feel. I have 70 episodes now, about to release the 71st today, so I did 68 episodes or something every Tuesday without a break. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. It's a lot. And so then I went on hiatus for the album and stuff, and so right now I'm in the middle of a summer series, so I've decided I'm just going to be releasing the podcast and series just whenever I, like, have a burst of free time. record as many episodes as I can, and then get them ready and release them. But it's just been a way to help promote all the beautiful music that we have in the city and music that comes through the city, too. So bigger names who, you know, help give the podcast a little bit more validation. Yeah. It's been great. I mean, it's been... I've learned so much, and I've met so many people, and, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, How did you decide you wanted to do a podcast? I had a friend who had started, have you heard of Underground? Yeah. So they started, that's like a media platform Mm -hmm. kind of, and they needed content. And, you know, I was like, well, I go to open mics and I know all these people and all my kickball friends, they don't know about these people. So I could have a podcast and I could do some (laughs) songs and talk. And then... It turned into, it went from, like, talking about open mics to, like, each episode being, like, a spotlight of that person for an open mic, kind of. So the whole, like, premise changed as I was doing it, and things started happening that I didn't even, like, think that would happen. Like, all the things I was learning and, like, questions I was asking to benefit me as a musician, which also benefits other people as musicians, and I saw the amount of like people who are grateful for like me having them on the show and me you know sorry <laughs> me um bringing light to their music on a different platform so it just kind of fueled it uh yeah it's it's a it's a it, labor of love it is a labor <laughs> of love you understand that's like the get best it. way i can describe doing this is a labor of love yeah yeah at first you know it's like there's so much, like, adrenaline, and, like, I was like, oh, I'm doing it, I have a podcast, and then it's like, this is coming before all of my music, and you start to kind of, like, I don't know, it's funny, but, like, that goes with anything that you do, really, mm-hmm. but I have enjoyed the podcast a lot. It's, um, it's nice to kind of give back in an area that is mine, mm-hmm. you know, um, so sometimes musicians get so caught up in promoting themselves and come listen to me, come listen to me, that they, because you have to, because mm-hmm. we have to do it all these days, but it's nice to kind of like step back and promote other people and what you enjoy in the city, music-wise, you know? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Hate to make you play favorites, but do you have any guests that stand out to you as like really awesome guests or episodes? On my podcast? Yeah. Hmm, so Hannah Murphy okay. is from Atlanta. I, w- I went down and did the open mic at Eddie's Attic in Atlanta, and 
that night she won. And literally, when she was singing, before she even won, when she was singing, I had goosebumps all over me. I'm just like, who is this girl? Mm -hmm. 19-year-old, cute as a button, you know? So then I had to have her up. And she, her voice is amazing. It's so good. Um, I had Ben Soley on there. He's a big name that I had on there, and he's really good. I had um, Josiah Johnson from The Head and the Heart. Oh, awesome. Planes and on paper. paper. Yeah, Planes on Paper. And that was a really fun episode. Mm-hmm. They're, they're so good. I heard them on the radio the other day. You did? Yeah. When they played here at, UT, at the um, NPR? Plays on paper? Or Head in the Heart? Head in the Heart. Oh, okay. Yeah, I heard them on the radio the other day. Mm-hmm. Still listen to the radio. <laughs> I try to, at least. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So, when you're not doing music and running a podcast, what do you do during the day? So, I am a teacher. I taught music in Hamilton County for nine years, and... Now I'm just teaching one child on Lookout Mountain, but I teach him all the subjects, including music. And to supplement that and to pay for the podcast and music, I also own a kickball league that I started in 2012. And I do three seasons a year that I manage and run. And so, How'd you get into a kickball league? So I played in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, 2008 before I moved up here and then I go on a ski trip every year with the Go Kickball Birmingham League Okay. and so after the first ski trip I contacted Atlanta and I was like you guys need to start a league here and then they were like you should do it I was like, <laughs> me? and I thought about it for like two weeks do I really want to do this because it's a lot and I have a very 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 strong fear of failure and so once I decided to do it it was just like Go time. And that was my life for, like, a few years. Oh, my gosh. Because, you know, everything new is always harder at first, so it's now everything kind of, like, gears itself. Still a lot of work, but it's not, doesn't seem as much because I know exactly. I have a routine in my head, you know? Yeah. So what seasons is it? Um, We do spring, summer, and fall. Okay. And summer is closing up this week and then fall starts in a few weeks and um they all kind of overlap so Mm -hmm. like I start registering for fall a few weeks into the summer season you know they all kind of like just whoo but it's kind of crazy to think about I'm you know it's full every season 18 teams oh wow playoffs and everything uh so we do it's seven games seven weeks and then a tournament which the tournament's based on the brackets based on how you did in the season so yeah it's fun Uh, it's adult drinking (laughs) fun we go to uj after that's our league bar and nice yeah it's just it's a fun time for people to make friends and enjoy their thursday night i can't remember the last time i played a game of kickball should come out and check it out i should it's fun i need you should sign up (laughs) is you can sign up as a free agent. <laughs> as a free agent. And you'll, put, you'll get put on a team with, like, people, like, kind of like you. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's good to know. Uh, is registration still open for mm-hmm. the fall? Awesome. For cool. a week and a half more. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where can people go to sign up for it? Uh, go kickball.com, and then you'll see places to find a city. And you find Chattanooga. And awesome. And right there on the page. So 
this is a thing that's like all over the yeah, southeast. It's it's all over the US. Okay. So I just own the Chattanooga market. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I did not know that was a thing that could ever happen. I know, me either. Until <laughs> I was like in it. Yeah. It's crazy. I love, I kind of laughed a little bit when you said, like, hey, you should do this. And they're like, hey, no, why don't you do it? Like, I love when people, like, turn those things around on you. That's how I ended up with the podcast. I know. (laughs) I was just like, what do you mean? Wait a second. I guess I, could I? (laughs) You know? Pretty much. Yeah. So when I walked in, I was greeted by three lovely animals. Can you tell us about your dogs? Yes. Because I see them all over your social media and they're adorable. I love them so much. So one of them's not mine. One of them is my friend Nick's dog and his name is Fitzgerald. And he's He's the big one? mm -hmm, He's an Australian Shepherd and Great Pyrenees mix. Oh, that explains the thick fur. Yeah. (laughs) And then he's such a uh, gentle giant. And then I have a year and a half old pit bull. Her name's Daisy, Aww. and she's so full of love, and she loves every dog and every person and just wants everybody to play with her and love her. It's the cutest thing in the world. It makes my heart explode. And then my OG, Lily, I got her when she was three months, and she's Aww. 13 years old now. She's such an old lady, but she's so sweet mm-hmm. and so loving. Oh, How do the dogs them. like all the music? Oh, Lily's just used to it. Honestly, whenever I'm playing... They're always, like, right underneath me. They love it. They, I don't know. It, like, calms them, soothes yeah. them. They like it. I've always had cats, and the cat that I had the longest, she, like, eventually got used to my violin, but as I, like, got older and got better and was playing, like, higher and more complicated things, and I hit those, like, real high octaves, she'd, like, run and hide. Really? Yeah. Um, Aww. And then the cat we had after her was just kind of like, hmm, there's noise. Okay. And then the cat that I have now that I rescued when I moved here, I've only taken my instrument out a few times here and there since I've had her, and she's very skittish anyway, so, mm-hmm. like, any noise out of the ordinary, she just runs and hides, so yeah. she's just, like, gone. So, there's a good video on Facebook somewhere of my old roommate playing, like, electric bluesy guitar, and Lily just singing with it oh my goodness it's the cutest thing ever those are some of my favorite videos to come across on the internet so cute it's like animals singing along with you like how they respond to music Mm -hmm. it's so great yeah i used to have this like great picture of my old cat like curled up taking a nap in my violin case it's like a treasured photo this is reminding me how much i miss playing violin you should play it more i do i should i've been thinking about that over the weekend i was like I should really take this thing out again. Uh-huh. And I think I took it out once in, like, January or February, and the strings were just, like, all limp. My bridge was, like, this. And I was just like, hang on a sec. I had some friends over, and I was like, hang on a sec. I kind of, like, put this thing back together. Yeah. <laughs> I eventually did, and I played for, like, ten minutes. I tried to, I, like, dove straight into, like, an old Mozart concerto that I used to play, like, the back of my hand, and I was like, yeah, rusty. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You definitely don't keep it forever. Use it or lose it. Yeah. Only one way to get it back. Yep. All that practice. Such a music teacher of me. Yep. Such a music (laughs) teacher thing to say. Yeah. Um, Why did you decide to pursue teaching music instead of just, like, composition or performance or anything Uh, else? You know, I don't really know if I have an answer to that. 
I went straight from drum corps, which is where I was gone all summer, into college. I like missed class signups. I was already like registered and everything, but I had to talk to my advisor because I was a freshman before I could do that. Mm -hmm. And everybody knew about it, that I would be getting there late and signing up late. But it was like, honestly, when I went to her, I was like, I want to do nursing and music. And oh, she, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'd really thought about this. And, no, I hadn't. And so she uh, was like, well, nursing, you take your core all at the beginning, and then you go to nursing. Music, you have to do your core and music all four years. So it won't really work. Oh, wow. A double major with music is impossible, really. Because yeah. it's like, I was taking English 1101 as a senior. You know? Yeah. Because there's so many music classes in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So, I don't I don't know why. Because all of my recitals and stuff like that were as long, if not longer, than what was required for the performance and composition majors. Uh, I don't know. I actually got to the end of all my classes, and I'm like, oh, I'm going out in the field now. Oh, I'm going to have to be a teacher. <laughs> it didn't even really hit me, yeah. you know? I, it's a weird thing to say, but I was just so, I spent so much time in a practice room and at work that I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about, like, what am I going to do in the future? <laughs> and then in the field, I, I um, observed an elementary music teacher teaching ORF, which is, like, all percussion. And I fell in love and was obsessed so when I was at Hickson, I would probably gotten like $15,000 worth of instruments. Like I had a classroom, beautiful classroom full of orf instruments, a wall of guitars. Like I was obsessed. I loved it. Because, you know, I was a percussionist and mm -hmm. it was like basically teaching percussion. Yeah. And I'm basically like a child, so I understand. No, no, I was good at it. I have good organizational skills and time management and stuff like that. So, you know, we're drawn to things we're good at. Mm -hmm. But... I don't know. That's a it's a weird thing to say that it's not like I was in high school like I'm gonna be a teacher, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Everything was just always music. Mm -hmm. But everything works out. It does. Yes, it does for sure. I think so. <laughs> um, so your album's coming out in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, are you already thinking about like your next projects, or are you just writing out the album and? You know, I am always thinking about the next project I've already you know talked to a studio about wanting to do because there was a lot of songs that didn't get picked for the album mm -hmm. and so I kind of want to do another release sometime soonish but it won't be a it will just be acoustic just okay me guitar which is a lot easier to do you know it's not as a big thing but in the meantime, because I have to save money for that, I gotta dig out of this hole first right. <laughs> through this album, and then I will be working on. I want to produce a music video for all of the songs. Oh wow! So okay. Some will be professionally done by videographers, and some I will try my hand at. You see these little scenes over here? Yes. I'm trying my hand at some stop motion. <gasps> we'll see how that goes. Awesome! I noticed those. Mm -hmm. Very nice. So. We'll see how that goes. We never know till you know. That's true. Uh, the biggest thing is touring. Mm -hmm. So I want to continue to make sure that I'm on the road and 
getting out of Chattanooga. Not that I don't love Chattanooga, but Chattanooga hears me all the time. Yeah. So as much as I can get out of the city, the more people I'll be reaching, mm-hmm. you know. So that is the goal. And it's always, there's always five project ideas in my head just waiting to unfold. Yep. Life of a creative. Yes. Uh, any cities that you haven't hit yet that you really want to try to hit on your next tour? Oh my tour? gosh, there's so many. There's so many. I definitely want to, I think I have some time in February a few weeks. I definitely want to try to go south. And there's a whole bunch on the East Coast that I, I mean, I only went to, you know, six cities or something. So there's so many. I want to hit up the California coast and... Oh, there's so many. Go somewhere warm while it's cold here. Yeah. <laughs> That'd yeah. be a good time to do, like, Florida and the Gulf Coast yes. and, like, up Georgia and North Carolina. Mm-hmm. That would be the perfect time to do that. Yes. Yes. That is the plan. Um, all right, so let's wrap up here for a little bit. Um, when your album is out, where will we be able to find it? So, um, any information and music and videos can be found on my website, which is Heatherly, Heather with an L-Y, music.com heatherlymusic.com and you'll also be able to find it anywhere you can find music of course so apple music and spotify and everywhere really um my my facebook's pretty active so if you want to find out where i'm playing or upcoming things videos stuff like that facebook is probably the best bet so which is heatherly music as well but you find it this is so weird. Mm-hmm. Facebook.com slash Heather Lee, L-E-I-G-H, Holt. Gotcha. Heather Lee Music was taken. I don't know by who. They don't <laughs> use it anymore. But so it's Facebook.com slash Heather, L-E-I-G-H, Holt is for my Facebook. But if you search Heather Lee Music, you'll probably see one of the first few that pop up will be me. Awesome. So, And your podcast is also on Facebook? Um, so that is openmicspotlight.com. And you can also find it anywhere podcasts are. And there is a Facebook for that, too, which is facebook.com slash openmicspotlight. Um, yeah, you should check out the summer series. It's just four episodes, but they've all been really good. Awesome. Am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. Kay. Oh, uh, Go Kickball. GoKickball.com. And that'll take you everywhere you need to go. Awesome. I will throw all this into the show notes for the episode as well. Cool. So, so many things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always do, like, a social media section. <laughs> Why not? Uh, anyway, thank you so much for joining me. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Of course. Podcast people got to stick together. Yay. Yes. Awesome. This has been another episode of the Nougabelle podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. One more surprise for y'all. Here is a sneak peek at one of the songs featured on Heather Lee's new album, Behind That Beautiful Guard, due out August 26th.
那些。